Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. It's August 25th, 5.30 a.m. Central Time. Grain markets are mixed. Soybean futures right up against those highs from earlier this week. Brian McKenzie, good morning. Let's start off with Crop Tour. So the tour released data from Minnesota yesterday. The state's corn crop was pegged at 181.3 bushels per acre versus last year's tour estimate of 190.4 bushels per acre. The average soybean pod count per 3x3 area was seen at 984 versus 1100 last year. USDA has projected that the state's corn yield would decline by 12 bushels per acre versus last year, and the state's soybean yield would decline by one bushel per acre uh, versus last year. Brian, is it surprising to you that Minnesota is not very good? No, not at all, especially the area that they actually have uh, crop scouting. Uh, I've got a little group of clients in that southern Minnesota area, and it's just been a really tough year for them. Yeah, I listened to Chip and Brian on the uh, YouTube deal last night, and they said that this uh, southeast portion in particular was the biggest problem, and that makes total sense when you look at the drought monitor. Uh, the crop ratings in Minnesota have declined, and they have shown that uh, drought, dryness has been a, a significant issue. Minnesota actually started off in, in, in as one of the best states in terms of ratings and also conditions, I think, and they've declined. This is like the exact opposite of what we saw in Illinois. So I don't think it should be totally shocking. Minnesota is actually one of the states, I think, in pro in which pro farmer uh, is usually higher than USDA. It's like there's two out of five states. I think it's South Dakota, Minnesota, where uh, pro farmer is actually higher than USDA in a lot of instances. So I don't know. I mean, USDA has, has absolutely acknowledged that the crop's going to be light in Minnesota. It's just a question of, of how light. And this uh, weather this week is probably not ideal either, right? No, I think um, the comments from those same clients uh, that uh, specifically really for the soybean crop, um, you know, crop was looking okay earlier in the week, uh, yeah. late last week, and they just thought that by Wednesday to Friday this week with the heat that we had, that things would be pretty toast. Um, and I think that that's what they're seeing. All right, let's jump to Iowa. So the state's corn yield was pegged at 182.8 bushels per acre versus 183.8 bushels per acre last year. The average soybean pod count was seen at 1190 versus 1174 last year. USDA projects that Iowa's corn yield will improve by three bushels per acre versus last year, and the state's soybean yield will decline by half a bushel. Okay, so basically, I don't see anything overly exciting here, like both the tour and USDA are saying that we're close-ish to last year. I think any analysis beyond that, you're probably splitting hairs. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to really glean anything else out of these uh, numbers, uh, maybe that moisture potential. Um, these are things where if you think about the usage of soybeans uh, through the rest of the marketing year and what we're the initiatives that we're making from renewable diesel, the moisture content is going to be important for, for oil. And, and we're going to need all that oil for the uh, renewable diesel initiatives. Before we wrap up our crop tour discussion today, I wanted to show you guys this. I, I know some of you guys, some of you guys think that everybody's out to get you. The tour's out to get you. USDA's out to get you, whatever. Uh, that's not the case. Sometimes the market just sucks, right? Bloomberg, which is like the most well-read financial publication. Every trader's got a Bloomberg terminal on their desk. They printed yesterday what I would call like an egregiously bullish article. 
as it relates to the crop tour. They talked nothing about, they talked about heat. They talked about crops dying. They totally failed to mention any of the nuances associated with the tour versus USDA. They talked about how the tour estimates are lighter than USDA. They did not acknowledge uh, the fact that Pro Farmer is light versus the tour in five out of the seven states that they survey historically. They didn't acknowledge that at all. Pro Farmer has acknowledged it. So uh, I don't know if you can't rally on this headline. I don't know how you rally in corn, right? On the tour, at least. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, that that article was very bullish. And, and I guess the other part of it, though, is that we are in that stage where the corn crop is going to die. Um, conditions are going to go backwards. That's just the normal course of action for the crop itself. Okay, so uh, there was nothing in the article that was like everything they said was correct. It's just that I thought they left out a lot of really nuance. important things. Right. They left out they left out the nuances, and that's that's what's interesting. But, but the Bloomberg gave you a super bullish article, and uh, corn's lower here this morning. What do we got next? Uh, so USDA released weekly drought monitor data yesterday. Light precipitation was observed across areas of northern Wisconsin and northern Mi northern Michigan this week. However, minimal drought improvement occurred. Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Illinois saw drought conditions erode. Conditions are expected to worsen in the next week as much of the Corn Belt has been dealing with above normal temperatures in recent days. Drought conditions up in the northern region of North Dakota saw no changes. So when we look at the percentage of U.S. areas experiencing drought, corn country 43%, soybeans 38%, winter wheat 44%, spring wheat 54%, and cattle country 37%. The tour doesn't go into uh, Wisconsin Wisconsin's really dry. Look at that big red patch in, in like southern Wisconsin, southwest Wisconsin. That's pretty ugly stuff. Um, this is not 2012, of course. We know that by now. And uh, Brian, we've talked about this before. I guess this will be a year in which we find out how good these drought tolerant, drought resistant genetics are, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, you know, when I was looking at the drought monitor yesterday, the two things that I, I saw, um, you know, week to week would have been that little area in northeast Iowa that kind of popped up. Uh, and then uh, Texas. Texas had a, a pretty big yep. advancement in drought. But um, right, this is not 2012, and um, this is going to be a test. We talked about that, the genetics and the, the amount of money that was invested in genetics after 2012. We'll see how, how it performs. Let's look at uh, some current weather here. So heat will be a factor across the central U.S. again today. The National Weather Service has once again issued an excessive heat warning for much of the central and south central U.S. Rain fell over the Iowa-Minnesota border early this morning. Additional rain fell over parts of Ohio and areas further east. While the heat will moderate this weekend, the forecast is dry for the foreseeable future. Brian, what are you hearing from uh, customers regarding this hot, dry spell and what it means for crop potential? Uh, it's taken the top end off. Um, I, again, I think the major concern would be on the soybean side of things. Uh, not that it's not impacting corn yield. It, it uh, definitely can. But uh, I think we're in this stage right now where uh, we're filling these pods. We're determining the size of the soybean, the moisture content that, that's in the bean. Uh, we're, grain, we're in the grain fill period for the corn. So kernel size, kernel depth, uh, test weight will be affected. Uh, but then, you know, we'll see what weather looks like as we get into fall and, and harvest, because if it stays like this, we're going to have a pretty rapid harvest. We've got a strong soybean market. This is not the sort of uh, acute rally that you'd see in June or July. 
on a hot dry forecast, but no soybean futures are right up against those highs that we posted earlier this week. And this soybean balance sheet is incredibly sensitive. You chop a bushel, bushel and a half, two bushels off of USDA's yield estimate, and you were very much deep into rationing territory. It gets really, really tight. So um, the soybean thing can get really interesting here, whereas corn, I think you can chop some bushels off and probably still be comfortable in terms of the balance sheet. The bean market is uh, is acting really well, in my opinion. U.S. corn export sales declined significantly last week. Net corn sales of 22,700 metric tons for the current marketing year were down noticeably from the previous week and from the prior four-week average. Net sales of 673,500 metric tons were reported for the next marketing year, with the largest buyers being Mexico, Unknown Destinations, and Colombia. Net soybean sales of 364,900 metric tons for the current marketing year were down noticeably from the previous week, but up noticeably from the prior four-week average. Net sales of 1.2 million metric tons were reported for the next marketing year, with the largest buyers being unknown destinations, China and Mexico. Net wheat sales of 406,000 metric tons for the current marketing year were up 13% from the previous week and 3% from the prior four-week average. Okay, even though there were um, net cancellations of old crop corn, we're still going to hit the USDA target. There may just be some stuff that's getting rolled forward into uh, this new crop marketing year. Let's talk about China for a second. Chinese uh, purchases of new crop U.S. corn are down 91% versus last year. Chinese purchases of new crop U.S. soybeans are down 47% versus the same period last year. Brian, is this mostly because of Brazil? I would have to think so. Uh, <clears throat> you know, part of it also is we just really didn't know for corn how much China needed to continue to buy. They went on this big buying spree the last couple of years. I still don't years. know if we know for sure. Right. Um, and so I, I don't know uh, if the market knows what their year-to-year needs are. Uh, prior to African swine fever, they didn't really buy that much, but they needed to change their feed rations and the way they they did that. So they needed a lot more corn. They bought a lot of corn, and, and a lot of that probably was to stockpile some. So what their year-to-year needs are going forward, that you know, that's something we need to figure out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's get to Jackson Hole. Lots of fun stuff going on there. You bet. On so on Thursday, um, two federal Federal Reserve officials hinted that interest rate hikes may soon be coming to an end. However, one official said that inflation needs to show more of a downward trend before further hikes can be ruled out. The other official believes rates should be held steady while the Fed assesses assesses the impact on the economy. Both officials expect rates to stay elevated for a significant amount of time. Investors are anticipating the Fed will hold rates steady through the end of the year. Uh, Brian, little birdie told me that you're concerned about the S&P 500. Um, What does this chart look like to you? I think the weekly chart doesn't look bad. Some of the shorter term stuff maybe doesn't look as good. Yeah, the weekly view does not look as bad. Um, if you look at the uh, the daily chart, it looks like we've made a bit of a head and shoulder pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dow is also a concern. The Dow has already taken out its its long term uptrend from the March lows, uh, so it, it just shows a little bit of technical weakness. Uh, and and you can make an argument in the Nasdaq that there's a bit of a head and shoulder type of pattern as well. Interest rates continue to rise. Yield on the ten years up to about four and a quarter. Um, the Fed is going to stay higher for longer in terms of rates, the way that it looks. The economy is still pretty good. But then we've got this. COVID hospitalizations climbed 22% this week, and the CDC predicts further increases 
as new variants spread. Is this a risk to everything on the planet again? I, I think they they want it to be. Um, Who I is think they? The, they the the powers that be. Right. Um, the yeah. media is gonna gonna uh, make this a big story. Um, the ratings were huge when uh, when COVID was a thing. Everybody wanted to see, you know, what the case counts were, and and uh, I think they're gonna really talk this this new variant up. Um, there's been talk about restrictions coming back. We'll see if that happens. But uh, there's a lot of things that are coming in October. Uh, so what I'm hearing is TSA goes back to masking in September. Uh, <clears throat> potential all travelers go back to masking in October. We've got the student debt repayment comes back in October. Uh, debt ceiling talks again in October. So there's a lot that's going to kind of culminate in that in that month. Um, I'm out on COVID. I'm opting out yeah, of any yeah. any additional COVID uh, <laughs> restrictions, masks. You guys can wear your masks. I'm I'm out on that. Uh, cattle were up yesterday. They sure were. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of 197 <laughs> higher. Live cattle futures closed an average of a buck 47 higher. Cash cattle trade has been somewhat active this week, although it has been a bit disappointing in the Western Corn Belt. Cattle traded at 185, which was one to three dollars lower. Down in the Southern Plains, cattle were steady at 178 to 179 up here in Nebraska. Um, cattle were anywhere in between 184 to 186. However, uh, 184 is the cheapest that we've seen in weeks, although it is expected with the hot weather we've had. Uh, they want to keep cattle moving. Box beef was up marginally yesterday. Choice end of the day at 317.63. That was up 58 cents. Select end of the day at 291.91. That was up 32 cents. On the charts, the cattle have been kind of sideways, Brian. Is that your read right now? We're kind of choppy. Yeah, I would say the feeder cattle market has um, uh, a very sideways trend currently. Uh, you can make an argument for a double top, but that doesn't confirm until the lows between the two major highs are taken out. Uh, live cattle has a bit of a downtrend in place, uh, so we're going to need to take out that downtrend and, and at least push through the high over the last couple of weeks in order to suggest that this isn't the start of, of something more uh, more bearish longer term. And I think the fundamental case is continuing to be friendly, but that doesn't last forever and then you have to still think about the demand side of things outside markets this morning guys us dollars up a little bit stocks are marginally higher bonds off a little bit crude oil is up about 90 cents in the uh, wti contracts uh guys thanks for joining me early this morning um have a great weekend I'll talk to you on monday